Hey, y'all. Cable here, and this week's podcast is proudly brought to you by my friends over at Bison Coolers, 100% American-made coolers. They're built not only for the outdoorsman or woman, but also for the weekend warrior type. You know, maybe uh, college football tailgating is your thing, or you're taking the wife and kids camping for the weekend. Either way, Bison Coolers has you covered. They're family-owned and offer great customer service, and you can find their entire lineup of coolers, tumblers, bottles, and other Bison gear by visiting bisoncoolers.com. Sweet, beautiful Texas and beyond. We're going to shake the foundation today. I tell you what, I'm Cable Smith. Welcoming everybody to Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors Show, presented by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Players. It is great to be here with you, fine folks, today. Thank you so much for sharing a part of your weekend with me, whether you are tuning in on one of our uh, 30 plus radio affiliates or if you're checking out the podcast. It doesn't matter to me how you got here as long as you're here. And we've got a great show lined up for you today covering a myriad of hunting and fishing related topics. So you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat up old Stanley thermos because we've got a lot to get into. And off the top... We've got an interesting discussion to get into with Kafaru International's Aaron Snyder. He's the chief designer over at Kafaru and really head of, he's a jack of all trades. He does it all. Uh, but he spends over 200 days in the backcountry every year doing just a wide variety of different things, mostly hunting and product testing for uh, Kafaru. Uh, but if anyone knows shelters, and I'm talking about tents, teepees, and tarps, uh, that you are going to want to take into the backcountry with you, it's Aaron. So um, if you're like me, you're planning your backcountry hunts for this coming fall. And so taking the right shelter um, based on weight, if you're packing in, um, temperature, snowfall, tree line, if you know if you're going to be able to have a fire or not, all that stuff plays into what shelter you're going to want to take into the backcountry. So we'll break all that down in great detail with Aaron and uh, also spend a segment talking bear hunting as well as he just returned from, uh, I think it was British Columbia, and took an interior grizzly and a beautiful black bear. Uh, and that grizzly hunt, though, didn't play out the way that he drew it up in his mind, so we'll, we'll get into that as well. Uh, then a, uh, a trip down memory lane as Mark Davis, the what is he? He's a three-time Bassmaster Angler of the Year. Uh, he'll join us, but we're not going to talk uh, bass fishing. No, no. We're going to talk about those little panfish, the ones that you and I probably, probably the first fish we ever caught when we were kids. Uh, summertime bluegill fishing can be a lot of fun. And Mark says uh, he enjoys it as much, if not more, than largemouth fishing. Hard to believe, coming from a guy who's uh, made a living slaying largemouth for the better part of three decades now uh, but mark will be here and uh, we will talk bluegill fishing in detail uh, they're starting to get into their spawning mode and now's a good time to catch not just those little dinks no we're talking about the ones 
that you put in a frying pan, those big bluegills. Uh, so that's coming at you here in a minute. And then uh, we'll spend a segment with Zach Gates from All Seasons Feeders. They've got some new stuff coming down the pike for uh, this fall. Blinds, feeders, barbecue pits, you name it. But uh, specifically, uh, some new feeders, one that has the bow hunter specifically in mind. So I'm looking forward to finding out what Zach is cooking up on that front as here we are three decades after his dad started All Seasons and they continue to set the gold standard for innovation and quality in uh, the feeder industry. So that is what is on the docket for today. Should be a good one. I'm certainly excited about it. Uh, what else? So, yeah, a couple other things to mention. Our May Photo of the Month contest is rocking and rolling. This is your last chance to get a photo in for this month, though. Uh, we've got the Lone Star Outdoors show cooler loaded up with prizes like broadheads, Avalon knives, uh, all kinds of cool stuff. And all you have to do is email me your best hunting or fishing photo to Lone Star Outdoors show at gmail.com. Better yet, post it on our Facebook page wall or tag us with the LSOS photo contest hashtag on Instagram. Um, and then uh, our 12 monthly winners from 2017 will square off at the end of the year for a chance to be our grand prize hunt winner. And uh, the winner will join me on a trophy black buck or axis deer hunt down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. So uh, we're excited about the uh, grand prize package. Brought to you by KCR once again. Uh, let's do a quick giveaway. I've got, what do I have today? I've got a, uh, a three-pack of the new steel broadheads from Slick Trick. And these are the 100-grain Viper Tricks. Third person to text in the word bow hunting. That's bow hunting to 214-289-7807. And you could win yourself a three-pack of Slick Trick Broadheads. All right, let's take a quick break. Up next, we're going to take on the backcountry. It's all you need to know about tents, tarps, and teepees. Coming at you with Aaron Snyder right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Honey, don't you be yelling at me when I'm cleaning my gun. I'll wash the blood off the tailgate when deer season's done. Hey y'all, Cable here for Accelerate Auto Group, owned by my childhood baseball buddy. They're a full-service dealership and service restoration and customization facility in Garland, specializing in cool truck customizations, lift kits, performance upgrades. They'll even Kevlar your entire truck or its bed. The perfect heavy-duty finish for hunting and fishing. Accelerate Auto Group also offers 100% custom truck builds. The sky is the limit. Visit AccelerateAutoGroup.com or call 469-300-9669 today. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. 
Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. This is Aaron Lewis, and thank you for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Two flags fly above my land and really sum up how I feel. One is the colors that fly high and proud. The red, the white, the blue The other one's got a rattlesnake With a simple statement That's our old buddy Aaron Lewis Bringing Don't us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show Powered by Dallas Safari Club I'm Cable Smith Country Boy is the name of that one there And uh, we're about to visit with uh, Someone I call a backcountry boy In the form of Kafaru's Aaron Snyder but before we get into what I think is going to be a fascinating discussion, this segment of the show is brought to you by the all-new IOTA Outdoors Crux rifle stock. This thing is made for the backcountry. I just had one put on my custom 7 mag, and here's the cool thing. IOTA designed this stock with the backcountry hunter in mind because it only weighs 27 ounces. Check it out. There's a variety of patterns and colors to choose from. It's the new Crux rifle stock from Iota Outdoors, and you can find it at iotaoutdoors.com. Alrighty, well, uh, let's go ahead and bring on our next guest. He's an old friend of the show and is the director of, well, just about everything that goes on over at Kafaru International. He spends 200 days or more in the backcountry each year, not just hunting, but uh, also a lot of that is testing the latest and greatest backcountry products from Kafaru. And so here to talk shelters and uh, we'll mix in some bear hunting as well. It's my pleasure to welcome our old buddy Aaron Snyder back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. A pleasure to be here. You bet, man. Um, first of all, congrats on a successful bear hunt. Um, I think you were up in British Columbia. Yeah, yeah, I was in BC. Um, I guess I was north a couple hours of uh, Prince George is where the, the, the final destination was. Okay. And you took a, a nice black bear, I believe, pretty early in the hunt. Yeah, three, three. I think about three days in, I killed a yeah, really good black bear. And then I got a grizzly on the last day, last evening, last <laughs> few minutes of daylight of the hunt. Wow, wow. And I think, you know, we talked last year, and you had just gotten back from, I guess, a hunt where you were trying to take a grizzly with your struggle stick. I don't know if that was the game plan this spring or if you used your compound or talk about that. I actually, well, I tried to use a a stick bow last year um, on a backpack hunt where like a true, you know, backpack in, I mean, I don't know how many miles we went a long way and uh, just no bears uh, up high. The berry, it had had snowed quite a bit and the berries weren't there. So um, Jeff, lander with primitive outfitting is who i went with he's a friend Mm -hmm. um and he said i could come back in the spring and try again and uh man we threw there's a more not to pimp out gritty bowman but the the whole you know an hour long very in-depth detailed version of this hunt is on there but the moral of the story is i hunted for 14 days with the bow i had a couple shots at um grizzlies with the bow that when I say had shots, I just couldn't, I couldn't, they were through brush and I didn't take the shot, but mm-hmm. I had a couple inside of 55 yards. And then on the last day, 
mm, probably about 15 minutes of daylight left. We were waiting on a field. Um, they call it the Field of Dreams, where all these, you know, we had grizzlies sighted in this field, and we were waiting where we could see the tracks coming in and out of the timber. Mm-hmm. And the, the bear had run by me, basically, not because it smelled us or anything else, but it, it um, the bear wasn't stupid. It was crossing the dirt road, and it trotted across that, and I, I didn't have a great shot, and it got pretty far out in the field, and um, I grabbed the, the gun of the guide, and uh, it was interesting because the, uh, the the guide gun was uh, it had three inches about of the stock cut off because he's short, <laughs> and the shot was pretty far, so I, I'm shortening this quite a bit, but I laid down in the prone and uh, knew immediately it was going to be ugly as far as scoping myself, so I padded I took my jacket and put it between the butt stock and the gun, or on my shoulder, and oh, uh, took a, a pretty far shot, and, and I got lucky. I hit it in the heart and died in 40 yards, oh, and wow. uh, that's the short version of the... What uh, caliber was that? A 308. Right on. You got it done. It doesn't matter, man, how you how you got done. I know that was Grizzly Bear, I think, was number one on your bucket list, um, so pretty sweet what? deal. It's cool. I mean, I it's funny how the internet works, you know, because um, there was a few comments about, um, you know, using guides rather than do-it-yourself hunt. And, you know, people, you know, maybe Brian and I have changed because of using the guided hunts, but um, as much as I'd like to go on a grizzly hunt on my own, it's just not possible. You have to have a guide to make it legal, you know? Yeah, oh, and yeah, yeah. I do a lot of do-it-yourself hunts, but the one thing is um, with Kefaru, um, you know, paying for these hunts, obviously my marketing budget, I, I cover these and my, I'm trying to capitalize on, and I'm sure you're in a position now where you're getting to go on hunts that you may or may not have been able to go on previously. Oh, I'm leaving for and, Africa in a couple of weeks. So yes, that, uh, that door opened up for that only for that reason. Yes. <laughs> So. Oh, and, and you got to capitalize on these while the, the you know, the fire is, is burning, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to get um, as many of these animals on the ground, especially not that the North American 29 is that big of a deal to me, but it is kind of cool to knock down some of the animals that you've always dreamed about. And, and uh, man, the grizzly thing, I was like, am I cursed? Like there was just <laughs> certain things that happened in the hunt that, you know, just, you know, it's a game of inches, just a five seconds short of having a shot or a day late and a dollar short, went on a field and a, a big eight and a half foot interior came out in a different field that I'd happened to be sitting on the night before, swapped fields, and it ended up coming out on the one I was on while black bear hunters were on that field. Huh. And it was just, man, I was just getting beat up over it. So, and I got sick, super sick. So, a couple of the photos, guys are like, man, you look tired. And I was like on death's doorstep sick when I uh, shot that grizzly. So I, I was super lucky to get everything fall into place. Oh, my God. How far of a shot do you think it was? 394 yards. Wow. Wow, that's impressive. It's always dicey when you take someone else's gun that you've never shot. I uh, I kind of had a similar situation with the mule deer. And I had dropped my gun. I slid down a rock slide, just kind of fell in my gun. My scope got knocked loose. We took it to the range, and it was it was off. So he handed me his gun, and I'd never shot it, and there was this mule deer at 450 yards, which I'd never shot anything at that distance, much less with someone else's gun that I never used. 
And he's like, that's the biggest deer we've ever seen on this place. This is out in West Texas, in the mountains out there. And he's like, shoot it, shoot it. And I was like, man, I just, I just can't. It was the last day. And I was like, I don't want to spend the next, you know, have to change my flight and this, that, and the other, just looking for this deer that I might've wounded. And he's like, well, give me the damn gun. I'll shoot it. And I was just like, <laughs> he, he really wanted that mule deer dead. But at the end of the day, he apologized. He was like, that was really unprofessional for me to say, you know, shoot it if you weren't comfortable and then say, I'd shoot it myself. So. It was a, it was an interesting situation. You know, you get into those sometimes with these guides. Mm, yeah, for sure. We talked about it quite a bit, Brian and I, on because uh, we're pretty candid, especially me on what I do. Uh, because I mean, if I'm going to do it, I don't want to hide from it. If that makes any sense. Oh like, sure. Uh, and I want. I mean, am I comfortable shooting that distance? Hell yes. Am I comfortable with a 308? guessing the bullet drop and not firing the gun before obviously i was comfortable enough to take the shot mm -hmm. would some people say that's unethical oh hell yes um i'm sure i will get ugly emails because of it but um you know at the time i you know i i had uh full confidence i shoot tight groups at 400 yards super tight but i was guessing the the bullet drop mm -hmm. and uh i guessed it right obviously because I, I hard shot it yeah. but was not the best scenario it was a one and a half by five um scope so there wasn't a lot of, i didn't have a lot of legs in the scope as far as just overall power um right. but it, it it panned out and i got it um we did have we were lucky enough we had dogs um that we could have tracked it with and i did have a schedule and a plane ticket that i could change and that did weigh in heavily when i took the shot not that that's an excuse but i did know that I could extend the hunt if I had to, if we needed to, um, you know, go and, and utilize the dogs to, to track it. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's awesome that you got it done the last day. There's no doubt about that. And it's funny how things change. You know, you go into a hunt, hopes of a bow, and then the last day. And I've been there and done it many times. You grab the gun because, like you said, you want to get you want to get the animal on the ground. You've invested so much time, money, and energy on the travel, and then you know, obviously the preparation before that, and then uh, the time away. So got to get it on the ground so kudos to you man and uh, also on the nice black bear it looked like a hell of a hunt yeah it was it was good the black bear is was actually a more impressive animal than the, the grizzly as far as just the standard size it was a big fat dude so it was uh it was cool right on and you packed it out um i think with a new prototype pack well my bear you know spirit of full candor there wasn't a lot of packing on my bear i shot it by the road sure. um but patrick's um black i did i did pack my bear out in the the pack and showed how to strap the hide to it and everything else in the prototype patrick's bear i actually packed out quite a bit farther and uh in a grizzly hide as well i packed out but yeah it was cool to try that thing out as well mm -hmm. now, does that one have a name the fulcrum okay right on right on so folks can see that uh sometime in the near future i'm imagining um, couple couple weeks yeah that was the final prototype testing so oh cool cool deal well, hey, um, what uh, what would you say is now number one on your bucket list since the uh, the grizzly bears done been killed? I don't, I you know, I'm weird that way. Like I didn't that grizzly thing I wanted to do. I would have to say would would be I would want to do it again with a bow. Uh -huh. As far as other animals, I'm such a lifestyle driven person. You know, I'm not really money driven, and it's the same thing with with hunting. It's more the adventure of the hunt for me than anything so and, and the same with taking photos on like i, I get just as much enjoyment like my buddies give me crap about being uh, say feminine or whatever but like 
you know, what, what you're, you're going to retire from hunting and just take photos of people's hunts. But I really enjoy going on people's hunts and photographing the moment. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the things this year, it's Brian uh, called for me last year, took one for the team, didn't get to elk hunt and called for me so I could get an elk with a recurve. Hmm. Well, as luck would have it, Brian looks like he's going to draw a kick butt tag um, for elk. And so I'm taking one for the team this year, and, and, and I can't say it's a bucket list, but I'm definitely looking forward to evening things up for him. I owe him a solid, and then <laughs> photographing and filming that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. And we've he and I have a lot of hunts planned this year. So um, I can't say I got a bucket list animal, but I think this is going to be a bucket list year. Well, good deal, man. Uh, Aaron, we do need to take a quick break, though. I've still got a lot more I want to get into regarding tents, teepees, and tarps. You know, those backcountry results are coming out. People are finding out whether or not they drew a tag and are making their plans accordingly. So we need to tackle what shelter folks should be considering based on, you know, what season they drew their tag, where they drew it, and, uh, you know, when they're planning on going. So are you cool to stick around for another segment? Oh, yeah. Excellent. And that segment, by the way, brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas and Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue, including the newest Rudy's in front of the Cabela's in Allen, Texas. Stop by and enjoy Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue. All right, up next, it's everything you need to know about tents, tarps, and teepees. We'll help you pick out the perfect backcountry shelter for your upcoming hunting or fishing trip. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Much water run under that old bridge. There's too many rivers between me and you. Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. Need a new car or truck or your current vehicle worked on? Then stop by my buddy Justin's shop in Garland. Accelerate Auto Group does everything from oil changes to engine swaps. Scratch paint to custom car and truck builds, they do it all. Sales and consignment on everything from cheap commuter cars to investment grade, classics, and exotics. Also, all you outdoorsmen out there, check out the Kevlar coating for your truck. Always looking for good vehicles to buy as well. Call 469-300-9669 or visit AccelerateAutoGroup.com today. So you know I love my guns, and one of my favorite hobbies is target shooting. Grant Stinchfield here. Recently, I got to experience what it's like to shoot at the Rockwall Gun Club. It's an amazing place sitting on 70 acres, but what makes the Rockwall Gun Club so special is not just its first-class state-of-the-art facilities. Yes, it even has a 500-yard rifle range where your results show up on an iPad. But for me, it's the private atmosphere. It's like a country club for gun owners, 100% members only. And what's so cool is that many of the members are law enforcement officers, so it's common to be shooting 
shooting next to the pros. The Rockwall Gun Club has 19 100-yard rifle stations, 19 25-yard pistol stations, and if archery is your thing, there's even a range for bow hunters. Now is the time to act. Become a founding member like me. The incentives they're offering are too good to pass up. The Rockwall Gun Club offers family and corporate memberships. Visit rockwallgunclub.com to set up a tour and see firsthand what it's like to be part of a private shooting experience. Visit rockwallgunclub.com. That's rockwallgunclub.com. Tell them Grant Stinchfield sent you. Howdy, friends. Cable Smith here, and many of you have seen my pictures throughout the last hunting season of my Custom 7 mag. That rifle was built by Horizon Firearms. Horizon Firearms is a custom rifle builder here in Texas, located in College Station, and they specialize in extremely accurate custom rifles designed exactly the way you want them. Give them a call at 979-229-4664 or check them out at horizonfirearms.com. Hi, this is Fred Eichler with Easton Bowhunting and Predator Nation. Thanks for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. September in the Rockies, the bull elk bugles ring. Their sounds fill the canyons just like they're trying to sing. Fall winds blowing winter and the snow's falling deep. It's time. Ridge Fires, the name of that one from Dave Watson, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thank you so much for being here. As we are rocking and rolling, about to take on the backcountry with our old buddy Aaron Snyder. Specifically, we're going to talk shelters. You know, uh, you're making your plans for next fall. I know I am. And deciding what shelter you're going to be taking into the backcountry is extremely important. That's what's going to keep you warm and dry and offer just, uh, at the end of the day, peace of mind in some instances. So we'll get back into it here with Aaron momentarily. But first, this segment is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation, to get plugged in with this great group of hunters who are passionate about hunters' rights, education, and conservation. Check us out at biggame.org. All right. Uh, Well, let's go ahead and get back into some high country conversation here with Kafaru's Aaron Snyder. And we certainly appreciate you sticking around through the break. Yeah, no problem at all, man. I do want to talk shelters. Like we said, uh, I I just drew a New Mexico muzzleloader uh, tag, struck out on all my elk applications. I think I'll go over the counter to uh, your neck of the woods up in Colorado. Uh, But, you know, guys are in the same situation and we're all drawn tags trying to figure out our game plan for this fall whether that's uh, early season archery or you know late season muzzleloader or rifle tags um the thing is there's a lot of types of shelters out there what would you say is the most commonly used shelter and it doesn't have to be from the kafar lineup but just in general what type of shelter is most commonly used by, let's say, early season archery or, or um, you know, archery elk or mule deer hunters? Man, I, I would say it's definitely starting to shift towards floorless. If not, if it not, ha- if it hasn't shifted to already floorless uh-huh. shelters, depending upon the area you're in. Uh, I mean, I, I work for Kafaru and I use a floorless shelter a bunch, but as, as a lot of people know, I use a Hilleberg a lot, and I'm a, a, a big advocate advocate of Hilleberg tents. And that's a floored shelter. They have floorless as well. But, um, you know, early season in Colorado, for example, Montana, Idaho, whatever, you know, bugs aren't as much of an issue. Mm-hmm. And the weather's generally nice. And, and a floorless shelter just flat out saves some weight. Um, 
you know, that can shift greatly depending upon the weather, the bugs, you know, if you're in Arizona or wherever, where there's scorpions and spiders, uh, or a poisonous one specifically, you know, you may, you may not want to run a floorless shelter. Yeah. And so, you know, to me, I wouldn't say it's the type, I'd say it's the weight is really what it boils down to. Um, to be in the game for um, a potential uh, potential option for one or, you know, uh, whether you're running solo or two people, uh, for a solo, um, for a one-person shelter, you're going to need to be sub three pounds, I'd say, you know, or less for sure. Um, for someone to even look at it anymore with the way the lightweight craze is going. So I, I would say it's more of a weight. And I probably need to upgrade to uh, something in y'all's lineup, but I, I've always used this Eureka two-man tent someone passed down to me, and you know it's not it's not real bulky, but it it damn sure is heavy. Um, but I like having you know I personally it's probably just because it's all I've ever used is you know I have the floor in there. Well, I guess let me ask you this way because I've never been in the uh, you know TP or tarp style shelter. I never used one. What about air coming underneath it, or is it pretty airtight? I, I really don't know. No, Does it's it get not really in there. I, oh yeah, I mean yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's it. It and and I know you try to keep these podcasts short, so I'll try not to run at the mouth because it is a very difficult thing to cover for people because there is so many variables sure. in the sense of like, yes, there's air coming under it, but like if you look at a Kafaro Super Tarp, you can run an 18-inch Smith cylinder stove in there that weighs like one pound nine ounces, uh-huh. and so. You're at three and a half pounds for your shelter, annex, stakes, whatever, and the stove. Wow. Well, then the vent, the, you know, the the breeze underneath is a moot point because you can get it 85 degrees in there when it's 20 outside and dry off all your gear. But if you're in a situation where there's no wood on a sheep hunt or a goat hunt when you're up high, yeah, you're not going to probably want to run. And uh, I mean, people do it, but when you have piss poor conditions, wind, snow, rain, whatever, no wood to burn, that's going to shift you over to a dual wall, three or four season shelter quickly. Mm. Now, same conditions, drop down a thousand feet in elevation, there's wood around. I'm going to run a floorless shelter with a stove. I can dry everything out each night. And whether you've run a floorless shelter with a stove or not, anyone can understand fire makes everyone happy like yeah. no matter what you get a fire going in a tent outside whether there's a tent involved or not it just brightens the spirits mm-hmm. we'll put that in a shelter i mean you talk about brightening spirits it's a game changer totally and so yeah, so many different variables what i would say when people are trying to buy a shelter what they need to take into consideration there is pros and cons for both floorless and floored time of year big one are you hunting with a buddy or are you solo um how 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 much what type of conditions when i say time of year do you hunt all times of year you know what i mean are you hunting august september october november mm-hmm. that's going to vary that's going to vary that's going to change greatly on your final decision so those you know there's a lot of things to take into consideration and if you're a straight up gear junkie you're going to get you you're probably going to get two shelters maybe three right i mean i as you can imagine, I have a bunch. Oh, um, sure, sure. And yeah. and you know, if you're coming, like you're from, you're down in Texas. You've never used a floorless shelter. And if you called me and were like, Aaron, I'm trying to go light as I can. I'm going the first week of bow season in Colorado. So meaning end of August, beginning of September. We're going eight miles in. What shelter do I get? 
highly unlikely that I will suggest for you to get a floored shelter uh-huh. because I cannot, you know, say, hey, get a get a super tarp. It weighs 16 ounces. You'll be about a pound and a half with the Tyvek floor sheet stakes and everything else. And, you know, it's like 12 feet long and six feet wide or whatever. So it's, you know, huge. Um, the other advantages of that in the early season when, hunt, when you're hunting up high, you can pitch it flat for hot days to sit under it as a, you know, sunbreak. Mm-hmm. And you can glass out of it as well. So if you've got really crappy weather, you can stay under it and glass out of it where that's more difficult with a floored shelter. Now, shift forward to the end of September into October. Yeah, I mean, a different scenario altogether. I I would say, hey, you know, take a look at either bringing a stove for your floorless shelter or you're going to want to look real hard at, again, I I always promote Hilleberg, but look real hard at at a dual wall shelter uh, just for the simple fact, your body heat will be held inside of a dual wall shelter and raise the temperature automatically. And for to, anyone listening, when you say dual walled, you're talking about a floored shelter. Floored shelter, right. right. It's got a floor and, right. uh, you know, it's got walls. Yeah. Um, you know, your your heat will be held inside of a, a dual wall floored shelter, your body heat, and it'll trap inside there, which, you know, is nice. The other thing, too, is... Um, the pros and cons of a floor people are like why would i use a floorless other than weight as weird as it sounds you don't have to clean your boots off you just dive in you know there's no mess to clean oh up it's a pain floor. in the ass you get up at two in the morning you got to take a leak it's like oh i gotta put my boots on come on and then i'm always the guy it's like if one of my buddies tries to get in the tent with their boots on i'm like get your ass out of here you know and they'll, they <laughs> always try to do it i'm like we have a rule there's no i don't want all that dirt and crap in here so, well, and, I mean, it's as weird as this is, and we had a huge debate over this. A lot of guys pee in their shelter if they're only staying there one or two days. They're uh-huh. tired. It's a big shelter. Um, we designed a sleeping bag not only to shoot out of it so you can pee out of it in extreme cold weather, so you just unzip <laughs> over the bottom, roll over, pee, and roll back over. Um, uh-huh. I chew Copenhagen. As nasty as it is, you can spit on the floor. Um, you can run the stove. Running a stove in a floored shelter is, is a problem. Um, but running it in a, a floorless shelter, you know, obviously you're not going to trap carbon monoxide inside the floor. You're you're going to for one, plus burning holes in it from stuff popping out, you know, oh, embers yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So again, a lot of you know, it's a lot to go over to make a an educated guess, especially if you haven't um, you know ever used one before. Right, right. Well, I'd say I've I've been backpacking, you know, in New Mexico and Colorado every fall for 15 years now. Hardcore backcountry hunting, probably the last six years. And you you want I want to go back to what you said earlier about fire makes everyone happy. The most miserable that I've ever been on any hunt was uh, my first elk hunt in New Mexico, and I was public land do it yourself, and I went by myself, just rented a sat phone, didn't see another person for a week, but it rained literally almost every day, and I, you know, I had waterproof boots that inevitably they got wet eventually and my feet were wet. It was hard to get a fire going and I was just absolutely beaten down. And by the end of it, I was ready to leave. Then the last uh, couple years, and I, I would advise this to anyone out there who can do it is, uh, you know, if you, if you can get horses and you just get a wall tent or one of your bigger shelters, um, got, I mean, we even had cots one time. It was like the Taj Mahal, even though we were nine miles in, you know, uh, it really lifts your spirits. At the end of the day, you're so tired. You don't even want to cook dinner, you know. But when you've got those cots or going back to a stove and a fire, 
so easy to get that going. I highly, highly recommend that to uh, to anyone that has the luxury of, of being able to pack in, you know, on horseback. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, last year, for example, uh, Brian and I on a on an elk hunt um, in Idaho. You know, we were staying in a base camp, spiking out from there for one or two nights, and uh-huh. the base camp was the wall tent and everything. And it rained so much up there in North Idaho all day, every day. And like, I was able to throw. Um, well, how would I put this? Not worry about my clothing, my body, my whatever the case may be with the weather as much as I, because I knew I could come back to that wall tent and that stove and dry everything out. Oh, yeah. Even though we were spiking out, we could come back and it means obviously it was by the road. We could hike out the three, four miles and we, and it got so bad that it was hypo. We weren't hypothermic, but you know, trying to stay one more night, everything we had was soaked to the core, to the point I actually walked across the river. I didn't even pull my boots or pants off when we got back. I just walked across. <laughs> I wasn't any wetter when I got out of the river than I was when I went in it. Yeah. And got the stove cranking, hung our clothes up, sat my underwear in there for like six hours trying to get my core temperature back up. Well, what I'm getting at with that is you can have that option with a floorless shelter and a stove while you're backpacked in and that's the game changer Mm -hmm. you know if 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 you're at a point to where you know you you would think of calling the hunt off because or pulling out early because everything's wet and you're miserable oh i did yeah i left today early i had no i was just like "Mm." of course and we talked last time i got black toe too and that sucked so you know yes black will make it as bad as getting cold um but (laughs) you, you you know you you can come back to uh you know, the the tent, and you may not hunt that day because you're driving everything off, but you can just sit in the floorless shelter, feed it wood, dry everything out, lay down, rest, and hit it hard the next day, where when you're in a floored shelter without a stove, you may lay and rest in a bag, but your clothes are just going to sit there and be as silk and wet as can be. So that that's where the game changer mm-hmm. comes into place with that stove. Yeah, that, that was my scenario, that, 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 that solo hunt in New Mexico, and it was just miserable. So, yes, highly recommend like I said, I haven't used um, any of the Kafaro stuff and, and have don't own a, a floorless shelter myself, but have used the wall tent. We did a, a drop camp. That's another thing. I don't know. Have you ever used an outfitter to pack out your, like, we did the drop camp nine miles in. It was the same exact spot that I hiked in nine miles, you know, the year before and, and took everything in on my back and was just miserable. Drop camp, wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we actually... We once we got the elk quartered up because two out of the three of us got uh, a bull. We just we had a sat phone. We called the outfitter back, and they came in the next day with horses and packed our meat out back down to you know bottom of the mountain, and we picked it up when we packed out a week later or whatever you know. So um, it, for a minimal fee, you know, it wasn't like hey we're gonna. Do, it was like seven hundred bucks, but to me, nine miles each way with you know a bull elk, that's like a two day investment. Well, and I've I've never. Um... I've never done it with just one elk, but I, you know, one situation particularly, um, I went ham sauce on uh, multiple tags with me and my buddy, and we ended up having three elk and a mule deer on the ground. <laughs> and um, and uh, it got, you know, to a point where I'm like, you know, this this is really just going to kill us physically. Let's just call a packer, and we did, and that packer and I become really good friends. I haven't used his services. Uh, yet, but I'm not opposed to it. You know, if if I can, if I can get a guy to pack me in 
eight to 10 miles and drop me off and I can kind of hang a big bag of food right there. Hunt, you know, for 10 days all over Hell's Half Acre. Um, and then if I, if I down an animal or multiple animals, you know, multiple tags in Colorado, um, and hit them up on the sat phone, yeah, I mean, you know, some people would criticize that, but it's a very viable option. And yeah. I want to do this when I'm 60. And packing out two elk and two mule deer eight miles, probably going to limit my life um, in the mountains, you know, in the long run. Oh, yeah. So anything I can do to extend it is not well, going to hurt And much. let's say, and this was our situation, well, you've still got two other buddies that you're hunting with that haven't tagged out. They want to help you, but... At the same time, you want them to get their animals too, and then you're investing two days of their hunt trying to, you know, because they're not going to just say, yeah, pack it out yourself. You know, they're going to help you. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it was kind of like, well, this is just, uh, this just makes more sense. So, I uh, highly recommend that. Just things to think about for folks that are, you know, tuning in, planning their backcountry hunt. If you can't get an outfitter's number, say you don't even use them to take you in, just have them on standby or, you know, say, hey, we might call you if we get something down. Uh, it's a great a great tool just to have in your, you know, in your pocket. So I highly recommend that for, as well. For sure. yeah. And, I, you know, I think too, like with the, the, the shelter thing, you know, getting back on that as, as well as with, you know, the outfitter, you know, whatever else, if, if when you're, you know, when you're trying to pick a, a shelter and let's say, for example, you do have the ability to call a packer, even that can change your, um, your final decision on a shelter if you use a packer a bit more because you may suffer a little bit more on the way in if you run let's say you and I were going Idaho never been there we knew we were going in between five and eight miles my initial without having a packer my initial idea in September I'm probably going to go with the lightest shelter I possibly can no floor and probably no stove unless the forecast is saying, you know, horrible, horrible weather because mm-hmm. we're going in five to eight miles and we have to pack potentially two bulls back out, you know, now back up, we've got a packer. We've got a guy coming in to get us. Well, you and I are now staying and again, I work for Kafaro in a Kafaro sawtooth. I'm packing in a stove. You and I are going to have three pounds each total in a shelter. So we're going to have a wood stove shelter combo for six and a half, seven pounds because I know I'm just coming back out with 40 pounds, yeah. not 140, yeah. you know, multiple times. And so all of those things, again, it's confusing, get you know, taken into consideration when you're trying to purchase a shelter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, lots to think about. There's no doubt about it. And I feel like we've, we've covered it and given folks some, some stuff to consider, uh, which was obviously the goal. So let's just kind of wrap things up here as far as why don't you go ahead and plug the Gritty Bowman podcast. Where can they find you guys? Well, the, the grittybowman.com um, is the website, but it's also on YouTube, Gritty Bowman. And, uh, you know, our, our social media pages, uh, mine is, is more artistic photography now than anything, but um, Aaron Snyder, A-R-O-N underscore Snyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R. Brian is Brian Call. And then the Gritty Bowman. And, and yeah, we do some... some um, some guided hunts as well as the last couple of years, but we do a lot of public land, do it yourself stuff too. And it, it's very, um, you know, do it yourself tech, technical gear, you know, photography related type stuff. And, and we have a lot of good guests on there as well. You know, we get a lot of info out. Sure. Sure. Um, I guess what is your next adventure? Let's wrap it up with that. 
Um, I think my next adventure uh, is photography with my buddy Ryan Avery and a few other people in North Idaho. Uh Um, And we're backpacking in on the Idaho-Montana border for uh, for bear. I don't think I'm going to hunt. I've I've killed so many black bears. I'd rather photograph other people's hunts. If if that one doesn't pan out because of the snow level, it'll be uh, British Columbia in uh, late August for mountain goat and uh and moose and caribou and brian and i and patrick the owner of the far we're going on that one um well we we got a deal just because of the promotion behind it sure. um and i i have to ask Kifaru because they're the ones that actually you know cut the check and this was a deal with brian where we we paid for his hunt through Kifaru, you know because we sponsor the podcast mm-hmm. um Kifaru does but you know, for if we just did um, goat, you can find a goat hunt anywhere between sixty five hundred up to to twelve thousand. And twelve thousand's far out of my reach. But as a you know blue collar dude, not making an abundance of money, mm-hmm. I could squirrel away sixty five hundred dollars over a few years and be able to pull that off. Yeah, um, that's kind of where I'm. We're at, in the yeah. position. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm in the position now with Kafaro because it's a lot of marketing for us that um you know what i mean for oh, them to sure. pay for it my marketing budget and the the guides and outfitters they get a lot of exposure from it because we publicize it pretty well mm-hmm. and you know, i'd be lying if i didn't say we use that to our advantage everybody wins from it oh, yeah. um yeah. but i i think each, each it's going to be somewhere in the uh nine ten thousand uh plus range for each of us to take um you know a couple animals right right yeah and like i said i mean that's why i'm to go to south africa here uh in july so yeah there's definitely perks and i'll I'll be honest with you south africa was never really at the top of my bucket list i wanted to do most of the north american big game stuff first but you know when someone comes along and says hey what do you think about giving us some exposure and here's what name the you know the price doesn't matter but here's a bunch of trophy fees we'll trade it out it's like okay when do i book my ticket you know what, what what amazes me, I mean, for you, you're like high fence, low fence, no fence, where with Brian and I, it's it's amazing. When we go on some of these guided hunts, um, we get bashed over it, which I've gotten used to the bashing, but it's like, man, I, 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 unless I wait forever to draw a tag, I just can't go on a goat hunt. You can't magically make that tag appear. Oh, my God, and no. So, I'm su- yeah, and I'm super fortunate because, you know, you got to keep up with the Joneses marketing-wise. Um, you know, Kafaro and people want to see these cool adventures, and seeing a cool elk and, and mule deer adventure, a lot of people love that, but some, they want to see, you know, British Columbia, Northwest Territories-type hunts. So um, I, I've, I'm going to take full advantage of hunt these hunts while I can because it's just unbelievable country. You're getting to do something you normally don't get to do, and the photograph um, – the photography aspect of it for me being geeked out on that is is great and Kafaro gets to take full advantage of all those photos for marketing so it's it's kind of a winner for everybody and I'm I'm excited to do it. Oh, absolutely. And and I'll tell you going back to uh the high fence thing, that was an opportunity that only opened up because of the show. I never I never had money to go, you know, drop on a high fence hunt. Um and then suddenly people started saying, "Hey, you want to come hunt my ranch?" and it's like, "Well, Absolutely, because and going back to the sponsor thing, people don't realize. So Scent Blockers, our sponsor, they want to see you with the 200-inch whitetail. You know, uh, it's good yeah. business for them. Then they've got content for their page, and, and and I'm transparent. As long as you're transparent about what you're doing, and you guys definitely are. I mean, yeah, no, no, I, I, uh, well, in a lot of these hunts we do, like 
you, you know, as far as like this, one of the hunts, Brian has a moose tag in in BC, and uh, we do have a guide. I mean, he's a buddy though, so it's you know we don't look at it as a guide because he's a friend. Sure. But you know, we're floating down a river for miles upon miles upon miles, and and uh, it's it's weird for us because you know you, you it is a guide, but he's a buddy, right? Yeah. He's a guy I hung out with anyway, but. You know, some of those hunts are a hell of a lot worse, guided or not, as far as demanding physically and the weather, than um, you know, hunting in a burn in Colorado out of your car. Right. I mean, we're floating down a river for six days with you know, no nothing but sat phone service. So it, it's not like they're easy hunts, and we're staying in a lodge, but they are they are guided, and we try to be as candid about that as we can. Mm-hmm. And um, and honestly, I don't give a because I get I'm, I'm finally able to go on some of these hunts. And I'm going. I, I'm pumped. <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's different, my situation and yours. But at the end of the day, it's kind of the same. We're going because the opportunity's there. Well, hey, man, uh, good luck on whether it's uh, Idaho black bear, just photography, or um, whatever you get into next. I'm sure we'll hear about it on an upcoming podcast, and I appreciate the time. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on anytime, and let me know if you need anything. All right, brother, take care. Yep, take it easy. All right, there he goes, our buddy Aaron Snyder of Kafaru International, also one half of the Gritty Bowman podcast. Great stuff there. And that segment, by the way, brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy in Marion, Texas, also with the second location in San Antonio now. Uh, Josh and Becky Gunther, they've been taking care of me for six years. I'm just sitting here looking around the studio Black bear, whitetail, axes, black buck, oryx, canvas back, speckled trout, you name it. If I want to put it on the wall, Josh and Becky are taking care of it. And they'll do the same for you. They do amazing work with fast turnaround time. You can find their website by going to gr8mounts.com. That's gr8mounts.com. All right, let's take a break. Up next, we'll visit with a three-time Bassmaster Elite Series Angler of the Year. Let me tell you, only KVD and Roland Martin have won more Angler of the Year titles than Mark Davis. So coming up next, we'll wet a line with one of the best of all time. But surprisingly, it won't be for bass. Mark's got another species he loves to target just as much, if not more. And we'll get into that next right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Hey y'all, Cable here for Three Curl Outfitters, and whether you want to bow hunt hogs or get after them with thermal imaging and night vision, under the cover of darkness, Three Curl has you covered. They've got the latest and greatest thermal imaging and night vision technology. They hunt unlimited, I mean just thousands upon thousands of acres of ag fields, or if you're a bow hunter and you want to sit in a stand and wait for the hog to come to you, uh, they can do that as well. Check it out, 3curl.com to book your next hog hunt. Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails Magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. 
Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H's in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. Going here, wishing I was there Trying to make a living while no one cares And everybody's looking for Something real or something more Now I need something right, a little Rob Bear, Redemption's the name of that one. Love that tune, bringing us back Redemption. here on the Lone Star Outdoors show, powered by Dallas Redemption. Safari Club. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Uh, thanks to our presenting sponsors, as always, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. We are all set to talk a little fishing with three-time Bassmaster Elite Series Angler of the Year, Mark Davis. But we're not talking largemouth today. No, sir. Mark's got another passion, which he might even tell us he likes more than bass fishing. Uh, and I think it's one that all of us grew up doing. I know the first fish I caught was this exact species we're going to talk about. And imagine it was the same for many of you. So we're going to get back to our roots a little bit here momentarily. But first, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by the all-new Drive Over Chalk. If you're hauling an ATV, Jeep, or golf cart on a trailer and you're looking to make the vehicle secure quickly, dock it with the Drive Over Chalk. It's the first of its kind. No more hassling with uh, all those straps, hand-cranking winches, all that stuff, tie-downs. No, 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 no. Just dock it with the Drive Over Chalk. For more information, visit driveoverchalk.com. All right, uh, let's go ahead now and bring on our old buddy Mark Davis. We certainly appreciate you making time for us today. You bet. Glad, glad to do it. Glad to be here. Well, it's certainly my pleasure, and, uh, you know, Mark, we could talk bass fishing all day, and, and we've done that in the past, but today I wanted to focus on bluegills. I read a, a feature in Outdoor Life magazine, and well, you were the one that was providing all the information, and that's when I realized, God, this guy's as passionate about bluegill fishing as he is largemouth. Sure. You know, and I, this, to, this to get started, you know, that is, that, that is a great species of fish, number one. And our most of our lakes, uh, all of them that I know of in, in this area, and then you look at Texas and Toledo Bend, and are great and fish fisheries, but underutilized. You, you know, you just you just don't find very many folks out there fishing, you know, in a boat on the lake in a boat fishing for bluegill, and that's a shame because you know they're, they're fun to catch, they're fun to find. They're fun to figure out, just like bass, and they're also good to eat. Mm-hmm. So, 
a lot of reasons uh, to, to fish for bluegill. And, you know, I used to, uh, I, I tell you, back years ago, 20, 25 years ago as a guide, you know, there would be periods when, you know, bass fishing would be tough or you'd have some anglers that didn't really have the skills that they needed maybe, you know, fish deep with a worm or whatever and whatever it took to catch bass. And I would suggest bluegill fishing. Well, they're thinking about catching some little bitty, you know, plucking sea bluegill. I'm saying, no, these, these, these guys are going to be, you know, 8, 9, 10 ounce bluegill that on light line are going to fight pool and there's a lot of fun to catch and they're like yeah right and once you get them to try it man it is the most addictive fishing that i know of in fresh water because you get a lot of bites and you catch a lot of fish and they pull hard and they're a lot of fun to catch but the thing about true bluegill they start um in the south in, in april and sometimes in may depends on how how the year goes but and they spawn every full moon uh, all the way through August. So mm-hmm. a lot of opportunities to catch them, unlike, you know, largemouth. Spawn, you know, basically they spawn in the spring and they're done. But, you know, bluegill, you've got a lot of a lot of bluegill bedding uh, all summer long. And, you know, a lot of different ways to catch them. And I catch them, I like to fish for them deep, just like bass. And that doesn't work on every lake. A lot of lakes you gotta, you know, stay up there shallow. But uh, you can find them. Uh, and I know on my lakes around here, uh, in the in the summer, it's more of a main lake flat point type situation. But now early in the spring, or early in the summer rather, you no know, May, this period of time, you know, May June, uh, like right now, if we were to go fishing, you'll find them in, in the bays and the pockets. But even if you find them in the pockets, usually they're either right in the middle of the gut, in the back, or they're or they're on the little side for little secondary points going in. And if the water's clear, of course, you can see them, but if the water's stained, and this is the fun part is finding them. I like to just fish a little small black, like a little beetle, mm-hmm. uh, some kind of a little grub, you know, just like you would for crappie. But I like black. But the bluegill really likes to buy something that's black or, or brown. And, you know, you just cast around until you find them. And once you find them, I usually switch gears, and I go to a drop shot rig and a, and a live cricket. And then that's it lights out when you go back. <laughs> you, you really catch them then. <laughs> right, right. Well, great stuff, man. Just, uh, like we said, you know, I remember walking out of the creek behind the house as a kid and bringing back a bucket of bluegills to the house. You know, I mean, that's kind of. I imagine just like uh, most boys, it's probably the first fish we caught, but it's it's one of those deals where uh, it's still a lot of fun, you know. You're 51, oh, I'm, I'm in my 30s, but, you yeah. know, you still can't beat, uh, like you said, on light tackle especially. They put up a good fight. Oh, they put up a good fight. Yeah, I've got twin boys that are 12. In fact, just this morning, they've been down here. Uh, I've got a pond right here in front of the house. They've been down there catching bluegill. <laughs> and you know, if the bass aren't biting, that's uh, that's a great, you know, that's a great little fish to fall back on. I tell you, it, I, I know more grown men that are that that I can say uh, before me getting them started bluegill fishing, they used to laugh at me about bluegill fishing. Well, you, you know, that's for old women or whatever. And once I got them out there doing it, loved it, and got totally addicted to it. So I would, uh, 
I'd caution anyone listening, you know, if you don't want to get started bluegill, don't try it. If you want to have fun, if you want to have fun in the summertime, give bluegill fishing a try. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, Mark, we really appreciate your time today. We uh, we wish you continued success. Well, I, I appreciate that, Cable. We'll be working hard at it. I appreciate that. All right, buddy. Well, we'll talk to you again somewhere on down the line, I'm sure. Okay, look forward to it. All right. Have a take, good day. Take All right. care. Bye-bye. All right, there he goes. Three-time Bassmaster Elite Series Angler of the Year, Mark Davis. And I'm trying to pull a fast one on you guys. I don't know if any of y'all picked up on it, but that was actually an interview that uh, we taped back in 2014 with Mark. Uh, but it was timeless, and, and I was looking around thinking, who could we interview on bluegill fishing? And I was like, what? we already done the interview. We just need to replay it because... Like Mark said, May and June, that's the time of the year to get out there and get after these spawning bluegills. So uh, I do hope you all enjoyed it, even though we kind of took that one out of the uh, the audio vault there. Uh, but <laughs> it's funny, back when we taped that, Mark was leading the Angler of the Year points, and he would have become the oldest person to win an Angler of the Year title. He was 51. Well, right now in 2017, it's like deja vu. He's in the top 10 again at the age of 54. And so we're certainly pulling for Mark. If he was able to pull it off, uh, he would join Kevin Van Dam and the great Roland Martin as the only four-time Angler of the Year winners ever. Uh, So anyway, Mark is still rocking and rolling, and I still find that visit very enjoyable. So... Hope you all did as well, and I guarantee you this, after the show today, I'm heading home, going to take the shovel out, start digging up worms in the flower bed, and my four-year-old son and I are going to go catch some spawn and bluegill. Uh, So looking forward to that, no doubt. That segment of the show, by the way, brought to you by All Seasons Feeder. Have you seen the new Dam Fish Feeder? That's right, the Dam Fish Feeder will sit on the dam (laughs) and tilt to the degree that you need it to, and while it's doing so, it'll also broadcast your fish feed out 50 to 60 feet. So check it out. It's the Damn Fish Feeder, and you can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. Speaking of all seasons, up next, it's our old buddy Zach Gates, second-generation owner of All Seasons, and we're going to talk not just whitetail feeders, but how All Seasons continues to set the gold standard and drive innovation in this multi-million dollar industry 30 years later. So that's coming up next right here on the Lone Star Outdoors show. Lord, 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 they shot him down. 10,000 miles from a southern town. Oh, Levi. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The system hog trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The system is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Hey, North Texas sports fans, this is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motorcars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorcars.com 
is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. There are some girls want a sweet-talking Romeo But around here, baby I learn you get what you can get So if you're looking for love Hey, what's up? Welcome everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Tougher than the rest. Classic there. From the late, great Chris Ledoux bringing us back from break here. Uh, thanks to Dallas Safari Club, our title sponsor, as well as Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Appreciate their support, but not nearly as much as I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in today. So thank you, thank you for being here as, man, we're all set to take a look at the latest and greatest from our friends over at all seasons feeders now if you've never hunted the south texas brush country you're probably not aware of how thick it is so for anyone who's listening from uh, outside of that area or who's never been to that area let me tell you if you don't have a feeder uh, you're not going to be able to manage your whitetail herd because you're never going to see the deer the brush is simply too thick and then you're never not going to be able to manage them either because you're never going to be able to get a shot at anything other than their rear end. Uh, so it's paramount to understand that whitetail management would simply not take place in the brush country if it wasn't for some way to get the deer out of the brush and into your rifle scope. So we'll be joined by second-generation owner of All Seasons Feeders, uh, Zach Gates, here momentarily. But first, this segment is brought to you by Pulsar Night Vision and Thermal Imaging. Have you seen the new Pulsar Core Thermal Optic? If you haven't, you need to check it out. It's, uh, as far as image quality, I've never looked through anything better. It's the new Pulsar Trail Thermal Rifle Scope. And you can find it at PulsarNV.com. And if you tell them I sent you, you can, well, actually, you can just use my promo code, which is just Lone Star, when you check out on the website. You'll save 20% off any thermal rifle scope or night vision scope, uh, monocular, binos, anything, 20% off when you order right there at PulsarNV.com. All right, uh, without further ado, let's bring on our next guest. It is my pleasure to welcome our old buddy and avid outdoorsman, Zach Gates, back to the show. Hey, Cable's good to be on again, man. How you doing? Oh, I, I couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. <laughs> it's starting to feel yeah, like summer. It's getting hot. It does feel like summer. It's hot and dry down here already. But luckily, we did get some rain this weekend, so might start greening up again. But uh, now, just you know, kind of getting ready for the fall season. Um, didn't like, to, didn't get to do as much turkey hunting as I wanted to. Only got to go out once, but. Uh, you know, we did see a lot of birds on camera, mm-hmm. starting to do a little bit of fishing and um, really doing a lot of kind of designing for 2018. Got some 
pretty exciting stuff coming out on the line and rolling right along. Right, right. And we'll get into that here in a second. But I was going to ask you, last year you shot a giant elk. Where where was that? Oh, that was up in Idaho. Idaho, Yeah, okay. me, uh, you and your me, dad? Pops, and, yeah, me, Pops, and the wife went up with our bows, and uh, I ended up getting a 399. Dad got a 430, and the wife got her a nice big buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was a it was an awesome experience. I've never really, uh, to be honest with you, never really been out of state hunting, and uh-huh. uh, that was the first big trip for me. And the terrain's different. You know, it's not flat and dry, quite yeah. hilly, cold, and a lot of big trees. And it was a good time. It was a heck of a time. So I'll be going uh, up to Colorado this September, uh-huh. August September, I believe. I start doing. Uh, Going to go on a bear hunt. Oh wow! So that'll be. Yeah, be awesome. fun. Looking forward to that. Cool. So. Are you going to be hunting with hounds or? No, actually, we'll be sitting. Um, to be honest, I don't really know. Oh wait, Colorado, uh, they don't it, let you. They actually, it's illegal. I went because I've been mountain lion hunting there the last two years with hounds, and there you go. It is illegal. They are very uh, adamant that they break their hounds off of any kind of bear scent up there. So. Yeah. So yeah. he said we'll be sitting in uh, trees, and I. You know, I don't, I don't know that, uh-huh. I don't know that they can bait, but I know we'll be sitting in tree stands and, uh, cool. he said by the river and kind of hunting that really. So looking forward to that. Yeah. Be a yeah. good time. So. Well, you told me at DSC, uh, when we were visiting that, I think what, a moose is on your bucket list. Is that right? It is. It's going to be a little ways down the road <laughs> though. Yeah. I got, I got a nice long laundry list, but, uh, oh, yeah. just start checking them yeah. off. Yeah. You gotta take it one at a time and slowly. You yeah. know, it takes a little saving up for some of them. Some yeah. of them, so no doubt, no doubt. Well, all seasons feeders. This is a family business that uh, your dad started. We talked about the history of it uh, one of our previous uh, interviews. But back in the '80s, you know, he kind of pioneered the feeder industry for Texas, mm-hmm. and um, he's passed that down to you, which. I'll be, you know, I think a lot of kids get handed stuff and they're just, they don't know what to do with it, or maybe they're not that interested in it. Uh, you actually are an engineer. You went to school and I mean, this is, this is what you do. You take pride in it and are, you know, innovation before, is, before, hold on, let me interrupt before yeah. people start thinking I'm a, a legit engineer. I am not. <laughs> I, <laughs> I went for engineering, switched over to business management. Um, as of today, I do regret and I wish it would have gone for engineering. But, uh, you know, I think the two years of engineering I, I did have definitely helped me out. But, um, you know, at heart, an engineer. Um, but love both sides. I, I love all aspects of the company. I sure, mean, as far sure. as, you know, there's still days I'm out in the shop. There's days I'm, you know, out in the shop doing a little welding with the guys or sweeping the floors. Or I like to spend as much time as possible inside designing. But, you know. Well, I've heard stories from other people about you that you'll get, just get an idea in your head at like 2 a.m. and just, uh, you know, you'll just go to the shop and start working on it. So, Well, that's kind of, <laughs> you know, when, you, when you're talking to, you know, I guess, I don't want to say engineers, but uh, I guess creative thinkers is uh-huh. a way to say it. But it's like, you're, you know, in our daily lives, we're just so uh, distracted with everything around us, you know, yeah. and at night, uh, once you kind of just get your wheels are turning so to speak you know you're laying in bed no distractions and uh a lot of times i'll go to sleep you know thinking about something and sometimes i'll have a dream or sometimes i'll just wake up and it's instantly right in my head and you just kind of just keep 
you design it in your head and you make it kind of come to life in your head and you know how to you know draw it up you know how to cut it and break it and where you need to weld and you know just it just it happens sometimes or a lot of times uh, but uh, yeah yeah i and then usually that next day i'm at work pull a couple guys aside and say let's get this done i want to make it come to life for the next six hours you know yeah. so i can get it down the ranch test it tweak it and get a new one down the ranch test it tweak it and you know kind of start the whole testing process and until i'm happy with it and perfect it to my standards and then we roll it out, you know. Right on, right on. So, well, yeah. So, so talk about some of the the new stuff that has come out here um, recently, and then you know what you're looking forward to for 2018. Uh, I guess really the only thing I can say without being too detailed um, is our technology um, is going to be taking a big jump in 18. Mm-hmm. And I don't get too detailed on that, but uh, we kind of partnered. We did partner with a company that um, has a lot of legit engineers, electrical <laughs> engineers. <laughs> but uh, they, um, you know, they have full-time engineers, multiple on staff, and uh, just been brainstorming with them uh, over some really cool ideas. And not so, especially well especially in the feeder side, mm-hmm. um, but even even going outside of that. So there'll be a lot of cool products that we'll start launching in 18 uh-huh. um, that we don't currently sell. Cool. And so I, I don't I, I, I don't want to get too far into it, but uh, so that the technology side, we're going to be, you know, making quite a bit of improvements on that. Um, but as far as products, the stand and fill, so as you can see now, the everybody in the uh, deer feeding business now has a stand and fill feeder. Um, so I'm kind of I'm going to be redoing or re- I've already redesigned our stand and fill for 2018. So uh, keeping well, I the love same, the current model. So to make it even better is uh, it's going to be something special. I mean, well, and what I do is I do a lot of browsing on forums and just listen to our customers and so I've over since we launched in January of 13 uh-huh. I've just been taking kind of notes down you know on improvements that we needed and so for 17 one thing I did add that was a big request was the you know the corn shield funnel on the bottom not I don't really have anybody calling saying my deer broke their horns but customers just kind of expressing their concern hey could possibly get caught in the panel and whatnot so Went ahead and put the corn shield in there, and you know, so your corn flows off to the sides. What I've done is just, you know, from reading and customers, you know, calling in or posting about concerns or any issues they might have, I 100% believe that the 2018 models will be, you know, produce what customers want, you know, and that's all. That's what I like to do. Well, what I like, one thing I like is. Uh... If you look back and you can, you know, go to y'all's Facebook page or see pictures that other hunters post, and it'll say all seasons, and the logo will be almost to the point where it's not even legible because the thing's been out in the field for 20 years and they're still using it, you know? So, yeah. They're built to last. Mine's been, my stand and fill, 600 pound stand and fill, has been underwater. I got it from you guys, took it to my lease. It was a new lease, and we had all that rain two years ago, and next thing I knew, the uh, the river was out of its banks, and my stand and fill was completely underwater. Clean it out, you know, change the battery, and bam, <laughs> rock and rolling. Yeah, the, yeah, I saw you post about that. That um, 
man, honestly, even those timers, if you just take them out and set them in the sun and let them dry up, uh, most of the time you can get them back on. Mm-hmm. And I, by no means is that under warranty. <laughs> Once right. it's under water, it's out of warranty. But I mean, a lot of times that's kind of what we've done too. You know, just take them out, set them on the, set them on the. You know, back of a truck and let them dry out and throw them back in. But then, besides cleaning out all the mildew corn, you know. Oh yeah, we had to do uh, that, uh-huh. which the hogs yeah, enjoyed. So uh, that was like, yeah. here you go, hogs. Here's some. I think we killed two or three hogs off of just the uh, mildew bait pile there. So. Yeah. And, uh, we have a lot of people, Zach, that uh, listen to the, the sh- well, the podcast from out of state, and a lot of them don't understand how important feeders are from a management standpoint especially in your part of the world, you're down there in San Antonio and, and that Golden Triangle where, you know, along with like Pike County, Illinois, maybe Kansas has something to say about it, but people think about big bucks. They yeah. think about South Texas, Kansas, and, and you know, Iowa, Illinois. And uh, the difference between those other spots and where we hunt down in South Texas is it's so thick that if you didn't have something to bring the deer out, the only thing you'd ever see is the ass end. Yeah. So... I, I think from a management standpoint of not only culling does um, and then, you know, obviously trying to get bucks. If you've got does coming, you're going to have bucks around. I think it's a great management tool, and that doesn't even take into consideration um, the protein fad that we've seen here over the last decade or so, which has just resulted in, you know, it's been, I mean, it's day and night, the quality of bucks that people feed, people that feed protein versus those who don't. Um, you put on a lot more mass, a lot more length on those antlers. Oh yeah, no, I mean, um, you know, and you hear from time to time kind of about the the baiting, you know, and and like you said, I mean, it's it's thick, and um, that's kind of one of the only ways, I guess, besides rattling or uh, you know, sitting by some by you know a pool of water that oh, we sure. can actually get get them out of the brush. But um, not only so much for hunting purposes, but we actually sell a lot of feeders. Um, believe it or not, to a lot of people that have, you know, on just a few acres on a creek line that just want to observe, you know, and observe the wildlife. And um, I get I get a lot. I get a lot of people that come in the door and, you know, just buying that one feeder, that, that the stand and fill. For example, the 300-pound stand and fill is popular for that. It's so low that uh, they're like, well, if I'm not home, my wife can walk out back and, and fill it up. You know, and uh, so, you know, there's multiple, there's a variety of purposes that um, I guess us in, in, in Texas enjoy, you know, feeders for. So, hogs, along with the yeah. supplemental, yeah, <laughs> along with AOL and the hog hunting, oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just, you know, uh, and I always go back to this it's kind of where you were born is how you're going to hunt, how your dad hunted is where, what you're going to think is normal. And, you know, guys up in Pennsylvania, they think having a feeder is a foreign idea, but at the same time, they'll they'll do a deer drive with 10 guys and then have two snipers sitting on the edge of the woods waiting to shoot them when they run them out, you know? I've always, yeah, I've always questioned that. But <laughs> actually, we're uh, starting to get a lot more calls from, you know, I guess the northern states yeah. um, to where it seems like it's uh, becoming legal, uh-huh. you know, to actually hunt over bait and, you know, well, they call it bait, but, you know, hunt over feeders. Um, so we actually opened up a warehouse early last year up in Tyler to where we can start serving the Louisiana, Oklahoma, Arkansas area um, and setting up dealers and 
so it's not, you know, one biggest issue we've always had to getting product to those states is obviously freight. You know, our stuff is not, it's not light and it's not small. So, you know, we're constantly paying uh, the freight fees for an 18-wheeler is, you know, can get quite expensive and deter customers. So we're currently setting up dealers in Oklahoma and Louisiana and Arkansas and actually delivering on our own trucks um, yeah. so we can help with that freight and Awesome, awesome. Well, we're almost out of time here, Zach, but uh, I'll go ahead and mention the barbecue side of things. I absolutely love my all-season smoker uh, barbecue pit. Folks can find the entire lineup. I mean, you've got a litany of sizes and options, you know, with a firebox, without all that good stuff right there at allseasonsfeeders.com. And then you've got the little chingone, you've got the El Chingone, and I think coming out here for next fall, We'll have an even bigger and badder one called the Moss Chingone. So it's a, it's an eight by eight on uh, a ten foot tower. Of course, you can get it on a five and eight. You can get it combo or all rifle. Um, you know, which usually our combo come with four bow windows in the corners, kind of the caddy corners, uh-huh. and um, then you got three thirty six by twelve windows on the longer four foot sides. And so along with that, now I'm working on, um, I don't really know if I should talk about it, but I got some directional feeders that I'll be coming out with really soon, um, kind of specialized for the bow hunter. Oh, cool. um, for me, myself, is kind of what I really are designing them for, but I think there will be a big need for them. They'll be throwing corn out to 90 feet, I feel like it's safe to say. I got... Some measured actually up to a hundred, but um, I'm saying ninety. You know, so you got yeah. about fifteen to ninety feet is where the majority of the corn is, and um, so real be real good for actually mounting off kind of camera situations too. For if you're not wanting to get a, a feeder in the the view, uh-huh. then you can actually put this feeder behind a cactus or a bush. You're off in the brush and have it, you know, throw feed out into whatever your your view of side, you know, your Sendera, and then you don't have a feeder in the way. So, hmm. and they'll be standing fill as well. Tallest one will be right at five and a half feet, and they'll have be in a three, six, and 300, 600, 1,000 pound capacity. So, just kind of finishing that up now. Um, then I'll be, I haven't even launched it to the dealers yet, but that will be coming out Probably within the next few months. Oh wow, cool! So we well, all heard it here first. Yeah, <laughs> awesome, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah, I, I, I like talking to you because uh, you kind of get my dealers are going to call me and go, "What the heck, man? You're not even telling me. You're telling all the customers first. But I like I like giving you a little bit more information. Yeah, you know? well, we appreciate it. Uh, I encourage everybody to check it out. Uh, AllSeasonsFeeders.com. They've got great social media stuff going on on Instagram and Facebook as well. So uh, you can. Keep up with them uh, through those social outlets. And Zach, always great talking with you, man. I sincerely appreciate it, and and thank you for making such a great product. No, no problem. Thank you, and I thank all the customers, and uh, really appreciate it. All right, there he goes, our good buddy Zach Gates, the crazy mad scientist mastermind over at All Seasons Feeders as they continue to uh, really drive innovation and set the standard in the feeder industry, which I know uh, a lot of our listeners tuning in from other states, other areas of the country, uh, they don't use feeders. Uh, Some places it's illegal. 
hey, that's great. Uh, hunt your way. Hunt the way that you've always hunted. And uh, just to keep in mind that while we don't do deer drives in Texas or, you know, run dogs for deer like they do in Florida and other states, uh, we use feeders. And I'm not going to knock the way anybody hunts as long as it's legal. Uh, so do what you do and be open-minded. And just at the end of the day, remember that we are all on the same team. There's an enemy out there and it's not each other. Uh, okay. That segment, by the way, brought to you by Sendero Seed Company, Texas premier seed company, offering anything and everything you need to keep a happy and healthy whitetail herd. That's right. I'm talking about food plots. I know, uh, that is something a lot of our, uh, friends up in the Midwest do employ. And uh, folks all over the country use food plots. So check it out. It's SenderoSeed.com or call Rob Hughes at one 610 seed today Sendero Seed Company for all your planting needs. All right. Man, this is my least favorite part of the show, y'all, because we've got to go. Got to get out of here. Uh, thanks to all of our guests today, uh, Zach Gates. Also, that clip from Mark Davis on bluegill fishing. And, uh, and then, of course, Aaron Snyder from Kafaru International and the Gritty Bowman. We'll do it again, same time, same place next week. Uh, Paul Waite from Delta Waterfowl will be here. Fish and Stream fishing editor Joe Cermelli will be here as well. So uh, looking forward to having them. And then Operation Game Thief Lieutenant Jason Jones will jump on. So a great show lined up for you next week. You don't want to miss that. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors. For making the show possible we certainly appreciate it thanks to you the listener for being a part of the lone star outdoor show until next time i'm cable smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors